Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Awakening Consciousness with Asher and Jesse. Going a few minutes early today. I got something to do uh, around 9.30, so we're going to have to call it a day around then. But i uh, got a good show for you today. We are um, going to be talking about uh, the crime-ridden cities. Um, San Francisco is experiencing a cri crime wave, and uh, that's uh, shocking to, to a lot of people, I'm sure, because after you normalize uh, wearing masks and uh, stop prosecuting people for petty theft, what do you expect? And so we're going to be breaking that down, uh, providing some warnings for the, the potential solutions being offered out there, and uh, you know, drawing some bigger conclusions that I think uh, people should be aware of. Also, the sort of dog that's not barking here, uh, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, this, you know, in my opinion, is probably the biggest trial of the century. Um, it's tied to Jeffrey Epstein and, and that whole that whole deal. And so we'll be talking about that uh, briefly, but it's almost not in the news. It's as far as I know, and I don't really pay attention to mainstream news, but it, it seems to me that the mainstream is not covering it. They've been distracted by the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the moronic variant and um, the rest of the nonsense going on. And they're not covering what is in my opinion, the biggest trial of the century. Um, am I wrong about that? Is it? It's got to be up no, there. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's like the it's the linchpin to the whole cabal, in my opinion. One of them, right? There's lots of them, but it's but it's in the public sphere. It's actually happening. And um, if it were all to come out, yeah, I mean, it would be the end of the cabal. Yes. So um, so yeah, that's going on. Uh, but before we get started, I want to take a second to focus our energy. I mean, maybe that's maybe on. that's maybe that's not true. Pizzagate came out and no one batted an eye. So maybe they would just, maybe they would just say it like, yeah, yeah, these guys are, you know, murdering children in basements and everyone would just be like, oh, and move on. Like we might be at that point. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, the, the, the current situation that we're all dealing with, it's like, you know, at, at some point we got to get people to, to, uh, uh, <clears throat> actually have some life in them, you know, to, yeah. to be, to, to accept the the situation that's going on now, um, you know, it, it seems like people have just given up, given up, uh, you know, the, the will to live, the will to be a free and sovereign person. And so, um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible what people are willing to accept these days. So anyways, um, yeah, let's get started. Got a quick show today. So let me share, whoops, let me share my screen. So we have, first is, uh, here is, um, there's been the this sort of wave of crime. So photos of San Francisco stores boarded up windows after a wave of smash and grab robbery. So, um, Basically, what's happening around the Bay Area in California, you know, they get a, a bunch of people, I don't know, 100 people or so to uh, just raid a store, smash it, grab whatever they can and run out. And, uh, you know, it's been at least a year or so that that uh, 
San Francisco district attorney has decided that they're not going to prosecute crimes. We've covered this on the, or, or, you know, theft crimes, like under a thousand dollars. And so, um, basically it has become a good business model to just steal stuff from retail stores and then resell it. And we covered this on the show with Walgreens. They're, they're dealing with uh, massive theft, uh, shoplifting, and they're closing their stores. They're moving out of the city. And um, the same thing is happening with a lot of uh, retail stores. So here's Gucci with, you know, they're uh, boarded up their stores. Uh, there's police officers outside. Um, you know, here's Nordstrom's, which was uh, uh, burglarized. Approximately 80 people raided this Nordstrom store in Walnut Creek, stealing merchandise in under one minute. A police spokesperson said three employees were kicked, punched, and were pepper sprayed. Um, here we have uh, Louis Vuitton. So San Francisco, if people aren't aware, is a very expensive city. It's a, it's a, a very attractive, or it was a tourist destination. Uh, there's a lot of great restaurants. There's a lot of stuff to do. It's, it's very beautiful there, um, if, as long as you're not looking down on the sidewalk. Uh, because you might be walking in uh, feces, but um, you know, generally speaking, it was at least up until a few years ago a really nice place to visit. You know, it's it's very crowded there. Uh, my dad used to live there. I've spent uh, a decent amount of time there, and for a while, it was a really great city. Um, you know, a lot of stuff to do, great restaurants, uh, shopping, sightseeing, all that stuff, and. Now it's become basically a wasteland. Here's boarded up, you know, boarded up shops. I don't know why this guy is not wearing a mask. I think um, that's basically a requirement these days. And San Francisco was also one of the first, if not the first cities to really have a lot of their businesses require uh, injection uh, verification cards. So we're going to try to keep this show clean and, and, hopefully leave it up on on youtube so we're gonna uh, talk in a little bit of code but they were they were one of the first if not the first to require you know the passports that people are getting these days and um, it's just a really tough place to live uh at the moment if you want to remain sovereign and if you want bodily autonomy my dad left there uh, let's see, June of 2020, uh, he saw the writing on the wall and he got out uh, when he could. And here's just more boarded up stores. And so um, the crime wave doesn't appear to be stopping. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's a it's become a good business model to go in, shoplift and uh, sell the clothes, sell the uh, whatever you sell the merchandise on the secondary market. And so it's very, very unlikely that you'll get caught. And if you do get caught, it's very unlikely that you'll face any type of repercussions, you know, legal repercussions. And you might not even get prosecuted. You might just let, be let go. And so here's more stores that are just boarded up. And, um, you know, it's a, it's becoming a wasteland. And I think it's gonna continue its downward spiral. So, you know, here, there they go. Mass, full, fully masked com compliant there. So anyways, your thoughts before we get into the, the solution that is being uh, potentially called for. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, partially this goes back to something we were touching, we touched on yesterday, which is just incentives, right? So, you know, you once you understand uh, policy and what incentives that policy creates, it's not difficult to predict the outcome at all. So here we are just viewing the outcome of a policy decision, you know, no, nothing else, right? <laughs> They've had policy decisions with, which lead to a, probable outcome. And here we are in that probable outcome. Um, I also want to point out, right, so a couple of things. So first of all, San Francisco, Chicago, where they've been doing flash mob looting for years, um, you know, and these uh, LA, New York, these other, these other cities, these are the bastion examples. They are the beacon on the hill examples of socialist top-down control policy. Um, so there, so, so what you see going on in, in San Francisco, what you see going on in Chicago and these other places, these, these people, these areas have been ideologically controlled by the socialist left for a very, very long time. They've been implementing socialist style policies for a very long time. <clears throat> what are the results? Well, the results are ultimately collapse and we need to, in a certain way, right? We need to use things to mark Time might be the wrong word, but to mark stages at least, right? And so, and so, if you go back to the Ayn Rand novels, which uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of, the Fountainhead, Atlas Shrugged is great, also, but especially Atlas Shrugged, you go back to that one. Um, you know, the collapse. She does a great job of illustrating the phases of the collapse. Well, this is a clear delineation in my mind. This is a clear visual representation, photographic. Uh, imagery of the collapse. We now have high-end stores where people are normally spending huge amount. You know, the the wealthy people, which there's lots of wealth out there that we're talking. You know, is out by Silicon Silicon Valley, and you know all the stuff that propped up. And it is, it's beautiful. I love the Bay Area, by the way. I've got family out there. I've been out there a number of times. I love the Bay Area, just like I love New York. I've never been to Chicago. I'd probably love that too. Um, I'm, you know, but the, I'm the people, right. But the policy, the policies are destroying these places. But, um, so here we have a major U S city. I would argue, you know, maybe the third or fourth most famous U S city, right. It's like, it's like New York, LA, Chicago, San Francisco, probably, or Miami, or yeah. right. I mean, it's like, we're right at that second tier of the most famous cities in, or even the first year of the most famous cities in the United States. Yeah. It's a place known for technology, known for money, known for, gay rights and liberal policies and all these sorts of things. And we now have high-end stores boarded up, right? This is I'm beautiful visual representation of the, of the next stage of the collapse. Um, you know, I know that, I know that you're going to get into the problem re reaction solution stuff. So I'm not going to get too far out in front on that. Um, Cause we'll get to that next, but they're there. But just to set that up, you know, clearly there's going to need to be some solutions here, right? We're not long-term. There's no way we can have this situation, right? Where you got people living on the streets, taking dumps on the streets. You got needles everywhere. You've got boarded up shops. Store owners can't protect their, their merchandise. People are feeling unsafe. Somebody's, you know, and, and there's a lot of money out there, right? So even, even though they're liberal and they've been told they're racist, if they care about their security, at some point they're going to care about their security. And so right. there's going to have to be some, some solutions here. 
and you know we'll get into that subject but that's that's where we're at here yeah right so that's a good point and a good segue to the next uh, thing that I want to show, which is the potential solutions that are being offered. So, uh, so we have this, it's a scary situation. We have uh, people losing money. We have uh, stores losing money. There's stores closing. It's just a, a situation that is uh, in need of a solution, like you said. So here we have an article from the Independent. Uh, Trump calls for National Guard to be deployed against this San Francisco smash and grab robber. So uh, former U.S. President Donald Trump has called for the National Guard to be deployed into San Francisco and other Democratic cities to stop a wave of smash and grab robberies. Brazen groups of up to 80 robbers have plunged shops throughout California over the past fortnight, stealing tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in luxury merchandise and electronics. The thefts have become a hot button issue for California residents and for conservatives nationwide who blame the state's overwhelmingly Democratic leaders for failing to suppress crime. In a statement on Tuesday, Mr. Trump said, if Democrats don't immediately stop smash and grab robberies which are taking place in their cities, the National Guard must be called out. There has never been such a thing that has happened in our country. Large numbers of stores are leaving San Francisco and other cities. Some chains are closing most of their stores. It is all not, it is all not even believable. Okay. So here we have a problem, the crime wave. We have the reaction of the people, which is, um, you know, rightfully so. This isn't safe. This isn't uh, how a city should be run. This isn't how life should exist. We, we need to have some sort of law and order uh, present. And, um, you know, so th there's a, a right, rightful, uh, you know, what's, what's the term I'm looking for? A rightful, you know, grievance with what's going on. And so the solution that's being proposed and is probably going to be cheered by a lot of people on the quote-unquote right is the bringing in of the national guard forces right so that will in their in their eyes or the or at least the hopes on the surface is to restore law and order and to bring about you know peace and and some semblance of normal society and all that stuff so what it also does in my opinion, is it normalizes the, the militarization of law enforcement. And that, in my opinion, is, is the goal here. Um, and so you have the problem, you have the reaction, and then the solution that's being proposed is the militarization of the police. And so, you know, bringing in National Guard, bringing in armed forces, and the rest of it to... Um, stop this wave of crime. And so what could go wrong there? Your thoughts. <laughs> you, you set up some good like T-ball home run, home run show. What could go wrong there? <laughs> right. right. You know, there's a couple, couple other points. Obviously people understand your point. Couple. Well, I'll add to that. Just one thing. Um, nationalizing the police force, the security apparatus is always the goal of every communist tyrant always. Um, so, so you, so any, any move towards federalizing, nationalizing law enforcement um, is, is, is never the cry of 
freedom lovers ever. So, so, so normalizing that in your mind that like when shit goes wrong in the U S we send in the federal troops in this case, in the form of the national guard. And yeah, it's definitely not a positive development in my opinion. Um, one other point going back to, well, well about the whole thing, right? So a lot of, a lot of this comes down to me always to yes, sovereignty at its core, but, but dependence, right? So going back to this whole situation, um, so the government over time convinced us that we shouldn't be responsible for our own everything, security included, right? So, so going, going way back, right? Everybody was responsible for their own security. As, as we progressed over the last hundred years or so in the United States, Progressively, people were less and less responsible for their own security, shifting that responsibility to the to the back to the shoulders of government. OK, now we re, now we've got you know, all sorts of gun restrictions and especially in places like San Francisco, it's very difficult to own a firearm if if even possible. Um, and so and so we now rely on government in places like that, for example, essentially entirely for our security. OK, fine. So that's the deal we've made. We don't handle our own security. We rely on the state for our security. Okay, so now you're dependent. Well, now what happens when the state makes decisions that affect you like, ah, we're not going to enforce crime and we're not going to enforce, you know, we're not going to stop crime anymore, <laughs> right? Well, well, now you've, you've handed over your ability to defend yourself. You're now dependent on them. And so now if they pull that back, Right. In, the, in this case, saying, hey, we're not going to do anything about people who rob stores unless it's over a thousand bucks. And you've got guys just walking into stores and just taking stuff and walking out because there's no repercussions. Well, now you're in that spot where you well, you'd like your sovereignty back. Right. You'd like your be able you'd like your ability to be able to defend yourself back, please. But you handed that over. You became dependent. And again, if we want to go bigger picture, right and look at sort of the whole thing they set up. Well, they created this two-tiered society, right? They, did, they sort of, they set out through welfare to destroy the black family, destroy blacks in general, destroy minority groups in general, um, which is a crappy word, but it's the one we have. Um, and so they created, they created this situation where they have uh, system-enforced poverty. Right. So you've got a lot of desperate people. You've got desperate people living in poverty who's basically their source of income is either, you know, our government checks and whatever other little hustles they can have on the side type of thing. Right. You've got wide swaths of society that are in that boat. And that's the goal of government. Get everybody on the universal basic income. Right. So you've got this situation where we've got minority groups and, and poor people in general, certainly not just minority groups, dependent again on government. And government keeping them in a very desperate situation, creating incentive, once again, for them to have economic gain, but disincentive to have a job because then they lose their benefits. So economic gain, but no job is the is the track that the government has them in. And then you've got that in uh, in the same geographic region as one of the wealthiest sets of people on the planet, on the on Earth. Right. Literally. So. Okay, we've got that set up. Well, if you're going to set that up, which they have, you better have a pretty serious security apparatus, right? <laughs> There's a lot of incentive there for the people who don't have 
to take from the people who do have. There's a lot of there's a lot of obvious incentive there. But what did they do? Oh, well, actually, we're going to pull security back. Right. And we're going to sort of what see what happens. And so here's what happens. Right. None, again, none of this stuff is difficult to understand if you look at what policy, what incentives the policies create. Yeah. And uh, so talking about bigger picture, we have a, a great comment that I, I, I agree with and I'm uh, very aware of this as well. Uh, Ruth says, uh, this is a real estate move according to Catherine Austin Fitz. These events only happen in cities with Fed bank offices. So what she's referring to, to there is, um, and I agree with this as well. So you have... Um, so let, let's start with the end goal of what they're trying to of what they're trying to do. What I think they're trying to do is is get to a build these sort of uh, constant surveillance smart cities where uh, where the uh, policing and the law enforcement is not so much a person to person thing, but more of like a surveillance thing thing where they have cameras everywhere they're tracking people everywhere and you know your your biometric data is scanned and and you know your injections are are be they're able to be read because there's technology in them and all that stuff and so um so in order to do that and make money at the same time what you're what they're doing is they're lowering the property value by you know creating riots causing riots and and you know, these smash and grab robberies and all that stuff. And Catherine on her website has a, she has a map where she maps the, the riots and looting in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And it was, uh, it, there was a very strong correlation to where the opportunity zones were. No, where, no. so where the, this, where is, the, this has been true in other places also. Right. And so, yeah, so I, I've seen the one from Minneapolis, St. Paul. So the the um, the riot and looting happened in, in the opportunity zones. Opportunity zones were something that the Trump administration brought in. It's basically a zone within a city or within a place that uh, they they've deemed it to be, you know, underdeveloped or underserved or poverty or whatever. And it's a zone where if you invest money into you'll get all kinds of tax benefits. And so it just so happened that many of these opportunity zones also happen to be in fed uh, in cities where there is a federal reserve branch. So you lower the property value of in these areas. So you, and then, then the, the theory is that um, it's going to then be bought up by, you know, the Amazons and the other, you know, big businesses and, and, you know, real estate tycoons and whatnot, they're going to be able to buy up the property at uh, reduced, reduced prices because the property value has been destroyed because of the looting and rioting and destruction that's going on. And then also they get the tax benefits because it's an opportunity zone. And then when they sort of clean up the area and bring it back, then they get appreciation of the real estate value and also the tax benefits. And then that's when they can bring in the smart, smart city. And so, you know, <laughs> hats off for a brilliant plan. It seems to be working swimmingly for them. And, um, you know, so don't get involved and don't live in one of these areas. But that, that's kind of the story that we have going on is these, the, what they want, you know, these constant surveillance, 
if we understand what they're going for, we can understand that the, the steps that they're taking in order to get it to that level, in, in order to get it to that place and make money as they're doing it along the way. And so, so yeah, great point, Ruth. And um, I, I think, I think Catherine <laughs> with just about everything else is uh, spot on with this. And um, you know, and so, Getting back to the proposed solution by Trump, you know, again, we have, and, and this is just one of many examples where you have, you know, maybe a problem that's, you know, that people might think is a left wing caused problem, you know, crime in cities, uh, you know, as you were mentioning the, mentioning the incentives that are set up, you know, not prosecuting for crimes, uh, incentivizing people to, you know, to participate in this life. Um, you know, not getting a job, be dependent on government. And then you can see how the solution to this, which is brought in by the other team, is it, it all works together. So it's like it's two wings of the same bird where, where there's a, a left-wing cause problem, a right-wing pr proposed solution, and it's, it's what the cabal wants. It's what the controllers want. Anyways, and so, and it's, it's, and it could be a, a right wing cause problem and a left wing solution, but ultimately it gets to the same point of these smart cities with uh, constant surveillance and they're making money on the real estate transactions that this whole time. Yeah, this is a really great, great point that Ruth brought up. And I think you covered it well. Um, I got a couple of things to add, but I just want to. I just want to point out too on the point you're making now if people want to understand that just in its simplest form it's like why do why do liberals and democrats why why don't they end war when they're in power and why do republicans and conservatives why do they increase the debt every time they're in power like why don't why don't why don't the people do the things they say they're going to do well because they're two wings of the same bird working for an agenda period end of story and that agenda is going to advance no matter what you know why didn't obama close down guantanamo he was really against it like why you know why didn't he why didn't he uh deal with gmos right he he that was a big that was important right oh shoot we just we know we accomplished a lot couldn't get those things done we managed to get the things yeah. done that the agenda wanted but the ones they didn't eh, we kind of felt we fell a little short on it so yeah. You know, so so the fiscal, you know, people have given up on the right, right, for the fiscally responsible, <laughs> uh, you know, can candidate. People don't even talk about that anymore. They gave up. They're like, eh, it's not going to happen. So, right. I mean, so so. Anyways, I just want I just want to point that out. Um, as far as the point, you know, the the point that Ruth brought up. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, there's in some interesting stuff too, like the fires, the wild, the wildfires, the forest fires that were taking place in California uh, a while back um, happened to also coincide very well with a proposed railroad uh, that they wanting to run. Uh, I don't remember. It's something to do with oil or something to do with something. I don't remember, but um, which was interesting to me. And then it, it, it also fits in. Well, we've got Bill Gates buying up all the farmland. Um, I don't remember if it was Bank of America or if it was J.P. Morgan or one of those, but um, but one of the big banks has been buying massive tracts of urban housing. So uh, yeah, they've just Black they've Rock. been go BlackRock. They've been going in yeah, and Black buying. Rock. 
buying like tracts of buildings and, you know, blocks and neighborhoods uh, of, of multifamily homes and things like that, single family, multifamily homes uh, and paying premiums, like paying 30, 40% premiums over the market rate uh, to just get them done in bulk, I guess. And then we've also got an interesting little tidbit of data. Um, the, I, I was watching, this came back to me when you guys were, when you were talking, uh, I was watching and like this, this guy, he just kind of goes around and interviews people on the streets and checks out neighborhoods and checks out places and talks to people. And he's interviewing a guy out in Venice beach in California. And the guy was explaining what's happening there because Venice beach has a huge problem, similar to San Francisco and LA and the rest of California. Um, has a huge problem with just a massive homeless population that just lives on some of the most expensive real estate, <laughs> you know, um, you know, beachfront real estate, right? They just set up shot, set up camp on the beach and they have these massive camps and the cops are basically told to leave them alone. So, um, so you have these, these, these massive homeless population, which, I don't have anything against any human on, on the planet. I'm not mad at someone because they're homeless. Let's help them. Let's do whatever we can for anyone, right? This is not about being angry, talking shit about anyone. It's just addressing the issue. So we have this massive homeless population, which tends to invite crime and drugs and rape and all kinds of stuff like that and theft and everything else. And that's made the area both dirty and unsafe. And so you add into this, the, the, I might screw up our YouTube here, but you add into this. All right, I'll say it differently. You add into this the uh, nobody could have seen it coming collapse that, that we've been in since the since the since this terrible virus took the world by storm. Um, you know, so you add you add the economic damage of of the coronavirus. I'll just say it like that, brother. You add you had you know you add in that to to an already very difficult situation, right? And so tourism goes down. People can't pay their rents. You start that downward economic cycle. And what this guy was explaining to the interviewer, he's, he's lived in Venice his whole life. What he's explaining to the interviewer is that what's happening is that corporations are coming in and they're buying everything. So he was saying literally exactly what you guys are talking about. He's saying, look, what's happening here is that prices keep Stores keep going out of business. Stuff keeps going out of business. People can't pay their rent. People can't pay their mortgage because the economy is bad because of COVID basically is like what they're, you know, the way they present it. Um, And of course, and of course, no, and they addressed actually in that video, the homeless stuff pretty extensively, you know, the area's gone down for lots of reasons. Right. And, and so what's happening now is that creates pressure to sell, of course, because all real estate in, in America, in the United States, essentially is owned by the banks. Everyone has debt on everything they own. Very few people own, own, their, own anything outright. Um, and even so, of course, you get into property taxes and all that. But, uh, and, so, and so what's happening out there in Venice is that that downward sp- spiral is well underway. And, and specific corporations, he said Apple and Nike and these other they're coming in and they're buying whole buildings or they're buying even multiple buildings uh, and just sitting on them. So they're actually making it worse, too, he was saying. He's saying that these big corporations, they're coming in, they're buying it, but they're not doing anything with it. They're basically just leaving it vacant. So it becomes an eyesore, it becomes another detractor for property value, another detractor for the neighborhood. 
And if you have an unlimited cash supply and you have an, an agenda like you guys are talking about, that would be a good way to execute it because you want values to keep coming down. Right. And, you know, unlimited cash supply comes from, you know, there, there are certain people who have access to capital at, at significantly lower rates than, uh, than the rest of us. And so, you know, the interest rates these days are at rock bottom, not even, not even uh, keeping up with inflation. And so, you know, yeah, these, these companies can, you know, park their money in real estate and if they sort of know the agenda, they know that, yeah, there's going to be a crash, but we're going to first crash it and then bring it back up. And if it's in an opportunity zone, then all the better, because there's uh, tax benefits and, and all the rest um, from those. And so it's a, <clears throat> I, guess, I guess the uh, the point of all this and the takeaway is uh, be careful about the uh, proposed solutions when there's, you know, sort of a, a left cause problem or a right cause problem, and then a left, you know, and then the opposite side is proposing the solution. Uh, because oftentimes, what it means is they are really just uh, playing into what the agenda is and has been for a long time. And so I think that's the case here with the militarized uh, police and, you know, and, and using that as an effort to solve crime, um, when really, if you wanted to do it, you would, uh, remove the perverse incentives that are causing the problem in the first place. Um, that's how you would do, that's how you would actually solve crime, not keep the, in, keep the incentives in place and then put a, just put a bandaid over it because that's, that it's not going to, it's not going to take away the incentives to, to, you know, smash and grab and, and do all those, do all that stuff. It's just going to make it a little bit more difficult, more violent and normalize the pre the military military presence as police force uh, in, in the, uh, in the major cities. And I think um, that's not a situation that we want to be in. And so, you know, just be, be careful when um, you know, when a solution like this is proposed. That might, Anything else? Might might set up some you know salacious racially charged shootings that we can you know talk yeah. about incessantly and things like that right yeah, yeah no i I'm, I'm good man i think we covered it all right let me just read ruth has some more comments though she says the law and order stuff is making uh making ready for the un takeover they are in za i think that's south africa and oz already maybe that's australia says you are spot on they are trying to ready themselves for the other end of the eddy minimum not sure what that is and other cyclical events and the eddy minimum this, i heard of that what is that i forgot holding this time, none of us will come through but they underestimated us all despite centuries of poisoning disinfo brainwashing propaganda and hypnotism we still know what they are trying to do and history shows they will not prevail yeah i agree with that um you know there there are yeah. more people seeing this I don't, I don't, you know, like, I don't think, I don't think the two of us are that are the only people that are connecting these dots between, uh, you know, the smash and grab and the, um, uh, and the, uh, you know, is it a, is it a red herring? Is that what it's called? It might, maybe I'm not, but the, the proposed solution, which I, the, just, you know, the, the, the solution that's being trotted out by Trump, like that's not the solution. Um, I don't know if it's called a red herring or not, but anyways, yeah, be careful of those solutions. And, um, you know, it, it goes back to the, the playbook that they use 
that they've been using for centuries. Problem, reaction, solution. They cause a problem, they get the public to react, and then they propose the solution that they've been wanting uh, the whole time anyways. And so here's another example of that. So do you think they still right. do, uh, do you think they still give kids in school to like connect the dots drawings? Like, I think that's out now. I don't think yeah. Dots need to be, re, dots need to remain separate from each other. Nobody's allowed to connect dots here. Um, so yes, moving on to moving on to, uh, the other story that we wanted to talk about. So um, here is uh, two presidents and a prince. Epstein's former pilot testifies famous men flew on the sex, on sex offenders plane. So Jeffrey Epstein, who died mysteriously in a choking accident um, uh, a couple years ago, uh, it was, I, I think his, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a choking accident, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> um, See, what his happened. death coincided with some, some right? <laughs> um, it coincided with some big event that was going on at the time. Was it the Kavanaugh? Uh, the Kavanaugh hearings? I, don't, I, I think remember. It may have been. everyone was all riled up. I think it was Kavanaugh. I think everyone was riled up about Kavanaugh. It was when you know he was. Uh, uh, you know, going through the Supreme Court vetting process and, you know, everyone was uh, all upset about him and, you know, and the uh, alleged improprieties. And, um, and then Epstein, uh, the, the story is he, he committed suicide uh, while in prison with guards watching him and, um, you know, supposedly guards watching him to make sure that he didn't kill himself. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, he was suicide, suicide watch. Right? They were supposed yeah. to. Yeah, and 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 it, it and just the, and like the the, hold on the the cameras all, the cameras also were were somehow those cameras specifically were somehow turned off at that time as well. And for a guy who makes his living and lives his whole life as a blackmailer for him to go out like that without playing any of his cards is just completely ludicrous. Like why would anyone, if you, if you're like the best of the best in terms of blackmail, like he had, you know, he, the story is allegedly, you know, all that stuff is that he had, uh, you know, he invited rich and powerful men to his Island where they engaged in, uh, you know, activities with underage girls and, um, and he had tapes and all that stuff that he used to blackmail people. And this was, you know, sort of a, a way that he could, that, and he would, you know, sell influence and, and blackmail people and all that stuff. And the idea that someone that you would take yourself out before you've played any of your cards in terms of, you know, Hey, I have this tape on this guy, you know, you might want to let me go. Uh, is completely ridiculous. So anyways, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, she was the uh, head procurer of the young, young girls, allegedly. Um, 
And so she would get the girls that would go here. And uh, now she's on trial. And in my opinion, this is, if not the biggest trial of the century, it, it's definitely up there. And so because she could blow the whistle on all the guys, it's rumored that Prince Andrew, uh, Bill Clinton, which we can see right here, um, Maxwell is at uh, Chelsea Clinton's wedding. Uh, so what is she doing there? Um, Bill Gates is implicated. Prince Andrew, a uh, lot of people, even Donald Trump has been, um, you know, he's been shown with uh, Epstein as well. So a lot of rich and powerful people. So here's, yeah, here's Ghislaine uh, Maxwell at Chelsea Clinton's wedding with uh, Bill right there. So, so what does the article say? During Ghislaine Maxwell, sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, okay, just real quick. I mean, just, um, I didn't realize you were gonna keep going, but I just on that point, you know, so here we have, here we have, uh, I, I'm frozen on my end. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I'm hearing you. Okay, here we have, um, you know, an admitted, sex traffic sort of person, right? We have somebody who procures young people for the rich and famous of the world. That's admitted. Like, like no one's denying, no one's denying that, right? So we have that piece of information admitted. And then we've got photos that you just showed, right? Of this person with the world's elites. So all these crazy conspiracy theorists, right? Who have been saying like, hey guys, the world's elites are involved in pedophilia, they're involved in child sacrifice, they're involved in these kinds of activities. Is the, are they denying that at this point? Sort of, but like, but like it doesn't take much dot connecting at all. It's like, hey, this guy's involved in that in those activities at this location. Hey, all the world's elites have hang out with him. Here's all the photos. They've been hanging out with him forever. Oh, and they've also traveled to his island a million times where specifically is for those activities. So there isn't a lot of dot connecting at this point that anyone would, would need to do, right? If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, right? So, so I just want to point that out for people that we're actually at the point where this is like open public information where it's like, okay, the world's elites are into this shit. Here it is. Like here's Epstein hanging out with this guy, hanging out with that guy, hanging out with that guy. I'm sorry, but you know, they in in the in the law of attraction world, right? All these guys always say, you know, self-help and self-improvement, all these kinds of stuff, right? They're always saying, look, you are who your friends are. You know, you 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 become like the people you hang out with. Who are the five people you spend the most time with? But that's where your life's headed. That's kind of who you are, right? So the, the you can't tell me that like. You know, nobody knew, right? Like they, they all, they, they've been out to the island and everything. They're hanging out. They're good friends. He's at their wedding. They're doing it. But, the, but they, did, they didn't know. Like, this is absurd. There's not, you can't make that argument with a straight face. So anyways, I just want to point that out. Yeah. And I'm not sure I need, really need to read the article either. It, it's, it's not really uh, giving us any new information. But basically, you know, it's like, is it, is it the chicken or the egg? Do the rich and powerful people... Um, you know, do once they are become rich and powerful, do they then get into this stuff, or are they only allowed to get up to these uh, places of, of power if they if they are have what Catherine Austin Fitz would call a control file on that, meaning that right. in order to reach certain levels of power and prestige and whatever, 
you need to have something on you that you've done that they know about that they can then blackmail you so that they can control you if you get out of line. And I think, you know, it's sort of the, the chicken or the egg thing here. It's like, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, you don't reach those levels of power without, you know, sort of being part of the club. And in order to get into the club, they have to have something on you that where they could blackmail you to keep you in line, keep you on the plan, working for the agenda and making sure that, you know, you're not going to come out and say anything because then they could destroy you by releasing information that would, uh, let's say, be detrimental to your freedom. And, um, and I think that is... You know, there's probably some of it that, you know, it's like, um, you know, once, you know, once you have access to certain things, then you take part in them. Or do you uh, only get only rise to power once you've taken part in, in these types of activities? And so I don't know, never, never done anything like this, obviously, but uh, it's a um, it's yeah, it's it's admitted open out there everyone knows it nobody thinks that epstein killed himself there was a whole meme going on about about that and or you know many memes going on about that nobody believes the story and yet they are able to hide it keep it under wraps uh you know stories come out uh, you know to to keep it uh in the you know in in the back burner you know there was five media live media coverage for the whole thing you know we could see into the courtroom we could see the lawyers arguing and then nothing with the uh Gislaine maxwell trial you know nobody's allowed in uh they're keeping it under wraps everything's a secret and they also you know trot out these new things when whenever there's a, a big story that could make them look bad and so I think the Rittenhouse thing is a huge distraction. I think the moronic variant is a huge distraction. And, and it's distraction, distracting people from what should be the main story in the world right now, which is the Maxwell trial. So, Yeah, I mean, that, the, the only really point I want to make there, and I do just want to go back a minute to the UN stuff that, sorry, my son is causing problems. Uh, go back to the UN stuff that um, uh, I forget her name was was commenting about, and just say that that's absolutely correct, right? Like I, I didn't get to touch on that, but that, that's just absolutely correct. And to the degree that people accept that, it will happen. And so I just want to, I just want to drive that home that it's like, yeah, the, that's right. The goal is, the goal is a not connected to the local society in any way enforcement force, like militarized, you know, police force that carries out the goals of the governing bodies uh, without any sort of sympathy for the people. Cause they're not from there. They're not, they don't have any connections to the community. That's not where their family's from. It's not where they're from. They're just trying to get home. Right. And so, yeah, we do, we see that, you know, well underway here, but yeah, the main point I wanted to make with the Ghislaine Maxwell stuff, and you pretty much covered it, which is just look at the difference between the coverage on that versus the Rittenhouse trial, right? You've got, you've got one where you've got, you know, cam cameras in the courtroom. Well, look at like the OJ trial, right? From when we were kids, you know, in 94 or whenever that was or 90s. Buddy, I'm, uh, give me a second here, bud. Um, 
you know, you've got cameras going on, you've got, you know, theme music, you've got, you know, just massive media coverage. And then in the, no, and then in the, in the Ghislaine Maxwell, I need you to stop now. Okay, buddy. Then in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, you know, you've got the judge saying no cameras of any kind. So we're not having any photographic evidence. We're not having any, uh, you know, audio, or I mean, there might be audio actually. Um, but you know, essentially it's, it's been made totally private. He said, oh, it's too gruesome subject matter, you know, to, to have, to have it be public information. Um, so, you know, and then we just have the fact that, you know, she's still alive, right? Like she's, you know, you know, Epstein's dead. She's alive. We have no idea, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, what the play is, who's in control, who's making the decisions who the judge is, who any, right? We have no idea. Is this 100% a media circus show? Is it 90%? Is it 10%? I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of weird stuff <laughs> taking place. You know, if they want someone got to, believe me, they can get to them. So I, I doubt that it's, you know, it seems unlikely to me that it's sort of the good guys are in control and they're kind of like, you know, making sure this trial happens and it all comes out, right? That doesn't seem like a likely scenario. I see this. Yeah, and just, you know, so two points I want to make, um, you know, to, to, to your point just now, um, you know, think about all the times in, in, in our lives when we think, oh, now, now we, we got him, you know, oh, Trump's going to prosecute Hillary. He just said that if he was president, you'd be in jail. And it like, uh, womp, 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 nothing happens, you know, and, and those types of things happen all the time. It's like, oh, we got him. We got him dead to rights. Here's the evidence. Everything is out on the table and then nothing happens. And it's like, you know, maybe the judge, maybe the judge had a control file and he wasn't able to do anything or whatever, but it always seems like it goes in the same fashion where we, we think we have them and then nothing happens. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, again, this goes back to one of the points that we made with the Rittenhouse thing is to not get emotionally connected, emotionally wrapped up into any of these types of things. Like don't, don't put your emotions or energy or really any type of uh, investment into what happens in the Ghislaine Maxwell thing. You know, it, it, it's, it's likely going to be another dud, another, you know, thing that, you know, we think we have them, but then nothing happens. And so, um, you know, so don't get your emotions wrapped up there. The other point I wanted to make is the, the sort of outsourcing of the police force. And exactly right. I think if you have uh, police that are, you know, living in the community that they're policing, they have neighbors that they're, that they, you know, interact with and people that they live with and their, their kids play on the same little league teams and all that stuff. They are much more likely to be, you know, honest, have integrity, really, you know, uphold the law, but be, but in a fair way, all that stuff, as opposed to these, you know, troops that are brought in, whether it's the UN or the military or whatever, that have no ties to that community. They don't care. They're, they're, they, they're going to be there and then they're going to leave and they don't have any ties to the community. They're not, they're not recognized. Their, their kids aren't, you know, friends with other people's kids and it just it's a bad situation when you bring outside people into an area to police that area so that's a, another great point that you made but by the way i've witnessed that so like policing in ecuador is very different than policing in the u.s 
and partly partly is because Ecuador is very homogeneous society, very, and and so people are very beholden. It's a very familial society as well, and people are probably those things are hugely connected. Um, but it's very it people are very beholden to their communities, very much so, and so. The police and the military actually I'll include in that because the military is used for domestic stuff in Latin America. Um, the police and the military both are so beholden to the community here um, that they don't follow orders that are would put them in a bad spot, <laughs> like you know that that they couldn't explain to their mother, right? Like like they don't follow those orders, and so we're in a very uh, it's a much better situation to be in when you are not so worried about the enforcers doing the worst stuff because morally they're not willing to, because they're beholden to the community. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's been their agenda, uh, for a long time. Um, and we've seen this, we've seen test runs of this. I think, uh, the, uh, uh, and I, I was part of something similar to this in uh, the Boston Marathon bombing, where you had you basically had a martial law type of lockdown scenario while they chased the alleged perpetrators of of that uh, of that, and um, you know, and then going into work, I used to live at work in I used to live right outside of Boston. Um, and then, and at the time I was working right in downtown Boston and you would see these, you know, private, uh, these security people who worked for private companies. These were not, um, you know, these were not sort of local Bostonians policing the streets. It was a private company that was, uh, contracted to come in guys with guns and, uh, you know, and, and that was another one of those situations they they you know nothing really happened in terms of you know uh but that's everyone complied and or yeah probably everyone complied and, and it was um you know just another test run of what i think they're going for so yeah the progressive normalization of whatever the aspect of the agenda they're working on um any last I mean, word hold on. yeah yeah last point and uh, last point um the the uh going back to yesterday right the theme of ruling openly seems to be a piece seems to be a piece of this whole Ghislaine maxwell uh jeffrey epstein stuff as well right pizzagate all this stuff it is in the public sphere it is no longer you know some weird tinfoil hatters talking about talking about it over you know at their house right quietly in hushed tones right it's it's uh it's in the public sphere no one's really denying it anymore so it, it definitely plays into that motif as well um of just you know giving the public the information normalizing it right they're trying to normalize pedophilia right now calling it a you know sort of a sort of a sexual orientation or a preference or whatever um and so you know we see we see the continuing sort of reveal of who our rulers are again. And they, they have a goal to rule openly. So um, that's, I think part of this equation also. Yeah. I was gonna, I was, I was gonna make one last point, which is to say, yeah, norm, normalizing the, the pedophilia and they, there's been several articles about it. Uh, 
you know, and maybe this is a topic for a show. And I think the whole LGBTQ, you know, AI, AI, you know, like all the letters, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make their way to P. And, um, you know, and so I think that is part of what the, that whole alphabet soup uh, agenda is about. And so on that note, uh, I do have to run in a couple minutes. So uh, please like, please share and subscribe. Um, I think we're going to be able to leave this one up on YouTube. So that's good. Maybe we can, uh, um, you know, hopefully help us grow the channel. So please like and subscribe to this channel. Also, our uh, backup channel on YouTube, the Clips channel, we sometimes go live there when we're uh, experiencing a timeout, and our alternative channels, especially on Rumble. And so, and then also Telegram, uh, get to know us, uh, join us in the chat there, suggest topics, send us articles or, or videos or stories that you want us to discuss. And um, yeah, any last words before we go? No, that's it. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, we most of the videos do not stay on YouTube. So just to continue to put that in people's ear, if you don't see our videos or if you don't, if we're not going live, it's because we're we've gotten a strike and we're banned. Uh, and if you're not seeing the videos, get over to Rumble. You'll see them there. Yeah. All right, everyone. Have a good weekend. We will talk to you on Monday.